What's going down? This is Micah Peters. I'm a staff writer with The Ringer, and I'm here with special projects editor Hannah Georges. Hello, hello. And we are here also with Justin Charity, who is also a staff writer at The Ringer. How y'all doing today? Great, man. I'm alive. I'm here. We mobbing deep on this podcast. (laughs) Deep on this podcast. Well, here we're here today to talk about more life, which is Drake's newest album. Excuse me, playlist. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> and I think that the first thing we need to discuss is what is this? Is it an album or is it a playlist? Or is it a mixtape? Or is it just like, you know, like a freely dissociated, you know, collection of moods? I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, normally you would call a freely you know, dissociated, dissociation of moods of album. I mean, it's an album, right? Like, if anything... People, you know, Drake marketing this more life package of 22 songs as a playlist feels kind of precious, honestly, and kind of pretentious, which is like, those are two hallmark qualities of Drake and his music are precious and pretentious, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just confounding otherwise. Like if you're, a con- you know, if you're just like a consumer and you're like, look, I want to hear some music. No one's trying to hear like, well, I made this music for you, but it's a playlist. Like what? No, it's, it's an album. I mean, like, I, I would don't like, get it I mean, it's just kind of, I, th- I think that the first time that I, that I saw that it was uh, going to be called a playlist and not an album, I immediately started thinking about Say Anything, like Drake standing up outside of Jay-Z's, like, window, <laughs> like, holding a boom box over his head. Jay, you magnificent bastard, I read your book. <laughs> I don't know. My first thought when I heard that he was calling it a playlist was that Views had him really shook, you know, um, and sort of the response yeah. to Views had him shook. And he didn't want to deal with that kind of um, that pressure, the all, the all the sort of hype he built around himself during Views. So he's like, um, this whole thing, like, it's just some songs. Don't worry about it. It's a playlist. It's not an album. Um, but, but why? I have a question. Right. No, in that sense, like the comparisons to Views feel obvious. Right. But I don't know. Do those feel natural to you, Charity? Yeah, I mean, they do. I mean, well, okay. So first of all, fruitful, I agree with you. Right? That, wait, what? Say that again? I said, or fruitful. Do they feel like a generative place to be thinking about this playlist, album, mixtape, et cetera? I mean, from- like, do you have to consider it separately? I mean, or do you benefit from considering it separately? Or, I mean, do you need to moor it in the expectations that you had before Views came out and then more life comes out and it's actually what Views was supposed to be? Right. I mean, I agree with... Hana, that like, uh, you know, Views is successful, right? Like, it's a very, very successful album in a commercial sense, but right. it is probably the easiest Drake album to criticize for a lot of reasons related to self indulgence. The question I have, though, <laughs> is instead of just being like, well, I'm going to retreat behind the idea that this isn't an album, it's a playlist, man, why didn't he just do what he had been doing, which is releasing things without warning because to me that that seems like it would have been a more sensible way um to release this with sort of um easier expectations if he had just dropped it out of nowhere but instead he he promoted he teased the album late last year right and then he set a release date and then he ducked the release date a bunch of times and I, i feel like that sort of Whatever he he got with easing the expectations by calling it a playlist instead of an album, he sort of acted against by setting a release date and then missing it a bunch of times. 
Right, but this uh, is Drake we're talking about, right? So he's never gonna fully disappear into the shadows and do something low key, like not now at least. Like this is post views Drake, who still wants attention. Like he doesn't want you to forget he existed, which I feel like he and sort of future grapple have been grappling with in this interesting way. That's like, oh, all these youngins are coming out and grabbing y'all's attention. Like, don't forget about me. I'm still here. No, that's fair. Well, when you, okay, so when you, one of you said that this is what Views was supposed to be in a sense. What do, I mean, what do you guys mean by that? I and think so much as you agree with that. that. That was me, by the way. I was talking okay. about, uh, I don't know, it's just that like Views was supposed to be, I mean, like, when he was talking to Zane Lowe about it, he's just like, I want to go from the winter to the spring, to the summer, and back to the winter. Like, he had, like, all these conceptual things for the album, and he was saying that it was going to be this huge amalgamations of sounds, and it was supposed to work together in this certain way. And it turned out to be just very maudlin and, like, life and joyless. And, I mean, like, there's a, obviously there's that eight-song playlist that everybody has on their Spotify or iTunes or whatever it is that you subscribe to. Right, out of 19. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it felt like a bloated record, and all of the, all of the views were inward. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and if you'll pardon that, I I think that like there was, I mean like this this one more life. I mean like I was listening to it for two hours, and well, I felt like I was listening for to it for two hours, and I was only halfway <laughs> through it. <laughs> and I mean like it does like it drags a little bit, but at the same time, I, there aren't a whole lot of songs on the album that I don't like. Uh, sure. Of course, on the flip side, for you, Charity, uh, there are some grime records on the album, and I just need to know how you feel about that because I, I feel like you have this religious objection to, uh, you know, double time over very sparse and kind of drum and bass beats. All right. Well, okay. I, let's not call it a religious objection. I my only objection is that there are maybe six good grime songs, right? And lucky for Drake, two of them, two of them are on this album. Um, you know, it's weird. It's weird. As much as like grime is maybe my least favorite thing that Drake has ever been into, I do appreciate that he's incorporating grime into an album that's otherwise like a lot of other Drake albums very R and B. Because, like, the main thing I, I have a trouble with with Grime is that it sounds like, um, it, it sounds like somebody wrestling uh, an electronic trumpet, a lot of Grime music. And so <laughs> this feels much smoother than that. And, you know, I just appreciate it. I, it. You know, this album is eclectic in ways that, again, I think Views was also trying to be eclectic, but was mostly just sort of cheesy and obnoxious. Whereas, like, here, Drake is, Drake want to be Fela Kuti so bad? I don't know. It's, it's a very strange impulse, but it also makes sense, right? Like, Drake is this dude who has a very, unlike a lot of rappers, honestly, he has a very global sense of, of the musical world. And I just, yeah, I listen to this album, and it's too long, but it's too long for the right reasons. Too long mm -hmm. because he's trying to incorporate so many different threads of contemporary black music and even old black music there's a random earth wind and fire song on here yeah at um, the end of glow <laughs> at the end of glow <laughs> but he's trying to incorporate so many threads of black music and so that's you know on that tip it, it's one of the few times that i look at drake being self-indulgent and think i'll allow it do you think it feels authentic like the ways in which he threads together um those different kinds of music 
I mean, I think it's awkward sometimes. And, you know, I, I so far I've seen a lot of people talk about this album with a sense of like um, pointing out that Drake going through different musical phases sometimes seems inauthentic. And I don't always, I don't know, I sort of always look at it as Drake is a pop star. It's always going to be from a, a big distance. But it, a lot of the album does feel natural to me. Like Passion Fruit, you know, all of these songs where he's going for something that is not very North American, certainly not very Canadian, at least in the popular conception of, of what Canada is, like, <laughs> it feels as natural as, you, as you're going to get. Like, like, what the is the popular <laughs> conception of Canada? <laughs> I, I, it's cold and ice and, 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 I don't know, weird accents and Fargo, even though that's not in Canada. I don't know. But the point <laughs> is... <laughs> Staying sitting next to the radiator watching reruns of Top Boy, you think? That's just... Oh, here we go. Listen. No, I think you're this the grime commentary. I'm just saying. American exceptionalism here, y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Listen. Listen. This is a very Trumpian combo. Um, oh, no, but like, I don't. I think it's as naturalistic as you're going to get from a top 40 musician. And I always just think of it, I, I'm always judging Drake against that metric of like, he's a top 40 musician. I'm not expecting him to like, go deep cover and like reinvent himself as a dancehall artist for real or as a grime rapper for real. <laughs> it would be hilarious right. if he did on some Jamie Kennedy tip, but no, I don't I think really, that's gonna happen. I really and truly hope he never does that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think I tend to agree with you on that front. Um, and I think for my part, at least, uh, as someone who's kind of pretty sensitive to the stuff and listens um, to, like, both a lot of African music and a lot of dancehall, uh, it feels like on this playlist, album, mixtape, whatever, that he's at least, um, you know, crediting artists in a way that, that didn't feel quite uh, quite kosher on views. I think that, you know, like, gigs and, Chief like, Skepta genuinely... Hmm? Sorry, chief among them, I just had to interject with this that he left Popcon off of the, like the final album cut of Controller. Honestly, the greatest injustice of 2016. Like, I feel comfortable yeah. saying that. Yeah. That, well, what do you think was yeah. the shift? What's the What's the reason that? Like, what do you think accounts for for that disparity between Views' sense of creative credit versus More Life's sense of creative credit? Because I can't, I, mean, I can't I, really figure it out. I, 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 I feel like it had to do with that, uh, the spirit of having like a playlist versus an album. I mean, yeah. if you're having like a complete body of work that you're going to put your name on and, you know, like instead of saying that this is a playlist by October Firm, then I think that, 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 that there's a more collaborative spirit behind that, I guess. And there's no illusions about, hey, I'd use 39 people in this song, hear all of their names. I'm going to invite them all to OVO Fest. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I also think that like we know for, you know, for a fact that Drake consumes a lot of media and he consumes a lot of media about himself. Um, so I think it would be sort of remiss to not note that he probably noted some of the really harsh criticism about that. He got a fair amount after views. Um, I do think that I'm, that is a, a very important thing that, that Drake and Donald Trump have in common. And I'm glad that you understood <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm happy. I'm happy someone pointed never, it out and said it. <laughs> I never want to oh, hear that sentence again in my life. Carry on. That was unconscionable. Anyway... What was your favorite song on the album, Charity? 4422. You know why that's funny? 
You know that's funny, Micah? Because Drake's not on it. Because it's a Sampha <laughs> song. It's a random Sampha song on a Drake album. I mean, no. It's like, it's... It's like on a Drake a, playlist. Yeah, I so mean, it makes sense. Right? I mean, like we can just go ahead and be honest <laughs> with ourselves. But it's a bald face streaming hustle. I mean, like it's if it's over thirty seconds, you know, so it still counts as a song. But you name it an interlude and just say that you know, this is Skepta's interlude. This is forty four twenty two, and I mean, like that streaming money has to pass through you first. So, right. I mean. In- Impressive. Yeah. Um, I forty four twenty two was the first moment when I stopped, uh, sort of in my tracks, listening to more life, and kind of realized that this was something that I was gonna sit with for a while, um, and not just something that would be passion fruit on loop for me. It was like that scene in like Doctor Strange where the Asian one like punches Stephen Strange in the chest, and then like his ghost like floats out of the back of his body. That's what happened like <laughs> at the, the the first time I listened to forty four twenty two. I think. I'm not gonna lie, Mikey. You just use a lot of imagery, and I, 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 you know, I'm overwhelmed by a lot of it. But that sounds right. That sounds right to me. I guess. Good. I'm glad that we could, you know, find some. I'm glad what that we agree on really... something. Charity, what song are you really, really not rocking with? Uh, I mean, I'm still not rocking with Fake Love, but like, let's pick a song that okay. was not released okay. already. Um, dang. What song am I not rocking with? Let's see. It's tough, right? I don't. It's tough. Yeah, it's actually surprisingly tough. It's. Yeah. I will I, say that I don't. I just don't find Portland as memorable as the rest of the internet seems to find that song. I can't believe. As you um, know. I. I can't, as you know, I agree. I. I, <laughs> I so, y'all gotta <laughs> explain this to me. Okay, Charity, you want to take it away? I mean, I feel like Mike is obliged to explain. He's the Portland thing. I can't explain <laughs> the evaporation of a song from my memory. You know what I mean? It's like it's a paradox. What you're asking? It's. I know it has a recorder on it. Some somebody's playing a recorder. It has Quavo rapping well, but like, which song doesn't have Quavo rapping well these days? You I, know what I mean? Like, I actually disagree with that statement. I don't like it as a Quavo song. Partly because I know, I know. Quavo, as some people may know, is the love of my life. Um, We're engaged to be married. It's undercover a little bit, but not now. Now y'all know. Um, But I don't like him on this song. The Ike Turner with a left hand line really fucked me up. I did not like that. That was pretty bad. And Quavo said some dicey things before, but that just kind of made me stop in my tracks and not in a cute way, not in a way that had me like bopping. Um, And the song in general sounds like a slightly low budget mask off. So. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I think it's just like, I, I think the thing that I appreciate most is just the fact that like, Quavo's rapping Never Let a Nigga Ride Your Wave like on a song with both Drake and Travis Scott like yeah, which is just really. which is just pulling up that's like pointing to the logo on at, like at half court and then just pulling up and swishing the three from there like I right it, listen it's beautiful I love that line I wanted to like Portland so much more than I actually did and I think it, it took me a couple of listens to realize actually no I don't rock with this um but man what could have been? What could have been? <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing about that. I'm laughing about the fact that, like, every line in there could be a line about either the songs that are about either of the artists that are also on the song with them. Like, young nigga, I invented <laughs> you. Like, you could be talking to Travis. Uh, like, it's it's, it's yeah. crazy. I, That's my friend. 
but yeah, I mean, like, I definitely understand the the moral quandary of the first line of his verse. It's pretty tough. Right. And he doesn't even ease you in. Like, it just comes out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, we didn't have to do that. There are other ways to get that sentiment across. But you know what? Um, you live, you learn. Quavo is uh, still growing. You know, instead so. of Ike Turner with the left hand, Kyle Lowry, you know? Sure. That would have yeah. also worked. This is a great case for editors. And it's weird because, like, I really want to, you know, when we interview rappers, I really want to make the case to them that, like, editors generally are good people and they're very helpful. But I listen to a lot. I mean, I listen to rap since I was literally a child. And it's just, like, editors, man, like, they're typos and and classic rap verses. They're, like, really ill-advised things. And you just got to get editors working in rap music. That's the real. You know, and then there's whole songs that shouldn't have existed, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a great point, Charity, and I'm going to take it as a personal compliment. Thank you. (laughs) Of course, of course. Well, Justin Charity, thank you for joining us on this special edition of the Channel 33 podcast about more life. Thanks um, for having me. Uh, of course, <laughs> I'm, I'm still, you know, like we're gonna have a we're gonna have a very long and very tedious off air discussion about grime music later on. That's good because grime is pretty tedious music, man. So I look forward <laughs> to, to this. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, for sure. Don't be mad when I catch you in the office with a musket, please. <laughs> <laughs> Angela Merkel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Later, dude. Thanks again to Justin Charity for calling in. He has an article on The Ringer right now, so go check that out. But before we get to Rob Harvilla, here's a little bit of passion fruit, which sounds like a sonic pina colada. Right. That was an interesting conversation with uh, Justin Charity's staff writer at The Ringer. He also has a piece up on More Life. And another staff writer that has a piece up on More Life right now is Rob Harvillo, who's on the other line. How you doing today, man? I'm excellent, Micah. I'm very excellent. <laughs> Carpet, wall-to-wall, great coverage. We're going all out on this. It's a group effort. Oh, it's my goodness. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I... Not- I'm trying to get to okay, excellent. Not unlike a playlist. Yeah, <laughs> not unlike a playlist. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel like weird calling this a playlist for starters, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't put too much stock in that one way or the other. You know, I I had originally thought this. You say that this. I thought it was going to be more like Cruel Summer, like a, like a compilation type thing, where like he was the host, but. There were a lot of OVO guys. There were a lot of tracks that he wasn't on, that kind of thing. Like, I was braced for not a Drake album. That's what playlist sort of right. suggested to me. But, you know, it's, there's a couple moments here where he's not around, but it's, it's emphatically a Drake record. And I feel like the playlist thing is, as much as anything, like just a hedge for why he can make it, you know, 85 minutes long <laughs> or however long it is. It's just, you know, I, I think what Drake has gotten really good at is, is he sort of mastered the, the jargon and the art of the streaming thing, you know, and the way views was so dominant for so long, and so much of that is attributable to, you know, Hotline Bling, the impact on the end of it. You know, like, I, I, I'm sure that the playlist thing is just some sort of gambit that, that helps him in terms of how many times this thing gets streamed, the way it gets counted, you know, or, or he can just say that, you know, he's the first person ever to get X 
streams in a week with a player, <laughs> quote unquote. Right. You know, right. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it changes the fundamental thing that this is Drake, you know, talking about his feelings, you know, for an hour plus again, and whatever he wants to call that, you know, I'm, I, I'm at peace. Do you think it. fake love belongs on the playlist? You know, I. I went back and forth on that. It's the first time through, it definitely felt tacked on the way Hotline Blink was. You know, like tonally, it's just a little different. It's just a little brighter. You know, I've heard it on the radio a bunch of times. Like, I'm, I'm sort of undecided on that. What do you think? Like, do you think it belongs there? Well, I personally thought that, like, like you were saying before about Hotline Bling, uh, I mean, like thematically, doesn't fit. It feels like a hail mary at the end of uh, of views, and I think that uh, fake love. Um, I mean, is also kind of like the same deal, but like it, at least it's not the very last song in the album. Kind of like you right. know, <laughs> I'm peeing in the right. pool, but not peeing into the pool. Like it's <laughs> it's. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's incredible. That is vivid. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I, I think it's, I, I mean, I don't know. Fake love is definitely uh, corny, doesn't quite fit with everything else, and not even in between since way back in Ice Melts, which is fantastic. Um, but I mean, fake yeah. love is also. Like you're gonna shout it, you know, three beers in, doesn't matter. Like it's it's still it's still a fun song. Yeah. I think. Right. And it doesn't feel as egregious Definitely. as Hotline Bling did. Um and it also feels like I wanna hear I, I wanna hear fake love and blem at the same party. I'm sorry. I need to hear them both together and so I'm not mad at having them on the same playlist, album, mixtape, whatever. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. I mean also like the, Neither am I. I mean, to your point about how overlong the the playlist is, um, I mean, because I also, I was telling Charity that I felt like I was listening to it for an entire day before I was halfway through it. But they, like, it works because yeah. it feels fun, I guess. I mean, like, would you agree with that? It feels a heck of a lot more fun than views, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... It's, it, it was that's definitely the my favorite part of it and the most relieving part of it is just, just the reason that Hotline Bling is such an anomaly on views is like views is so morose and so heavy feeling and you know like you say like it feels like it's you know an hour plus transpiring over the course of 48 hours you know and Hotline Bling is just this weird sort of pure oxygen blast at the end but like there's just this is very long and languid and pretty melancholy in a lot of places, but it's the difference between like melancholy and like morose, like just totally depressed and, and dense and heavy. You know, what more more life is a lot brighter to me throughout. You know, and so I, you know, it feels like a very long time. I agree with you. Like I was listening to the the live OVO sound thing, and I was just like, how long is this thing? Like I, I felt like it was three in the morning by the time it got done, but it's. But it's, it's a, it, it feels the same like, but it's just a lot more pleasant experience this time because he seems to be having a lot more fun this time. Yeah. Do you feel like he's taking accountability in any way on this record, um, whether it's for views or kind of for himself in his various transgressions? I can't tell if he's taking accountability or he just sort of realized that people want him to take accountability and he's just making accountable type noises you know <laughs> I, will, like, I, I, he's, he's, I think he's savvy enough to sort of 
sense, you know, a possible backlash of people turning against him or just a general feeling that, like, he's gone too far, you know, with the self-pity thing. And so there's a lot of moments on this record, like, I, there's a track, is it right at the end where he says, like, I, I, I don't remember the lines, but it's like I was a really angry person when I wrote Views. It was a side of myself yeah. I'd never seen before. Like, he, he, he knows enough to say that. You know, he knows enough to say it's close to the beginning, something like, I, I'm going to forget the line again, but it's like, I have too much money to say, poor me. Like, he, yeah. he, <laughs> he, knows, he knows enough to know to say that. Whether or not he believes that is, is a different question. I'm, I'm, I sort of go back and forth on it. You know, I don't think he's an outright liar, but I do think that, you know, Drake's subject is always going to be Drake, you know, and, and his real right. true subject is going to be Drake's sadness you know, regardless of where he is and how far on top he is now. So I, I, I can't tell if he's really sincere, but he knows enough to, to fake sincerity, at least. And, you know, that's enough progress for me for now. Do you think Drake still thinks of himself as an underdog? That's, that is a good question, because that's the thing, like, that's what Taylor Swift did for a long time, like, long after Taylor Swift had come out on top, she was still sort of representing herself as the underdog. That Ed Sheeran right. record has a lot of moments <laughs> where, you know, he, not, to, not to bring Ed Sheeran into everything. I just love talking about Ed Sheeran, but I, you know, Ed Sheeran still has... There is a commonality. You know, the only person who's on top and doesn't at least pretend that they're not on top is Kanye. You know, Kanye is the only person I believe when he says, like, I'm the greatest you know, and there's nobody, you know, I'm on top of the world and I'm just staring down at everybody, you know, and I'm pissing at everybody's pool simultaneously. Like, everybody else... <laughs> what is it with y'all in pools? I, yeah, I, I'm sorry I'm for introducing that. It's, it's... I'm, I'm keeping the image going. I'm, I'm trying, you know, it's, we're, trying to, we're trying to make this thematically concise, you know, and coherent. I, he wants to be the underdog, but I at this point it's just it's very very hard. It's getting much much harder to even try and convince himself that he's the underdog, and that doesn't mean he's not going to keep trying. But I do think that's going to get less and less convincing. You know, the more streaming records of his own that he breaks. So we were having we were having a discussion about Portland earlier. What are what do you think about it like in a vacuum? Before I tell you anything. <laughs> I mean, it's, I I just appreciate fundamentally the other voices on this record. You know, I like some more than others. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, you know, and I'm I I have I have mixed to negative feelings about Travis Scott. Like Travis Scott is one of those guys. Like I half the time I think it's Young Thug, and then I realize halfway through that it's Travis Scott, and I get like really mad. You know, yeah. and. and that didn't happen this time, you know, so he is more tolerable to be here than he is ordinarily, you know. So Generous, I, wow. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not my favorite sort of collaborative track. That would definitely be, you know, the 2 chains, Young Thug one, I think. But I... How good. I, I do... It's pretty good. I enjoy, the, I enjoy also just the tough guy moments on this record in general just because they're... Tough Guy Drake is always very, very, very funny to me, you know, and it's, there was a little too much of that last time, but like, it's Levin here, you know, the sadder, dancier stuff, and so I, I do appreciate when he's just 
when he gets all swole, you know, and that's definitely <laughs> one of the moments on this record where, he, where you can you can imagine him, you know, like doing bench presses like while he's rapping, and you know that's just very amusing to me when Drake does that. He's using the bench press yeah. machine, not like yeah, you know, yeah, the actual exactly. free rates. Yeah, it's, 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 bless it's, his heart. Bless his heart, exactly. That that actually reminds me one of the reasons, and I hadn't I hadn't quite made this connection before. One of the reasons I think I like more life so much is that it reminds me of like summer 2015 Instagram Honey Drake, which was one of my personal favorite Drakes. Um, <laughs> it was a pretty good Drake. Pretty it was great. Era. I was like, yes, yes, please, sure. You, that's your trainer. Great, congratulations. You know, um, and you can feel him sort of getting back into that loop again of like, I want to yeah. show off a little bit. Um, but I know probably deep down, maybe that I'm still a dweeb. Like you can kind of get a little bit of that coming through in more life. My favorite thing that people said about that arrow is that it looks like he was in a Grand Theft Auto cutscene. Oh like he's like a, that was my favorite thing. Like there, if you go on Twitter, there are people who just like have inset photos of probably it's used, you know, and they're just like, this is a Grand Theft Auto, like non-playable character you know and like he's holding a bulldog <laughs> or whatever and he gets oh. killed in a shootout with the jamaicans or whatever but like it's yeah it's cartoonish gangster drake and instagram honey drake there's a lot of overlap there and i they're both oh. very appealing to me as well absolutely like second relatedly like second to my other favorite drake which is like resident hookah lounge you know, Baron. <laughs> Which I think also, like, More Life is a hookah lounge playlist. I don't care what anybody says. Like, that is where I want to hear it. That is where it is going to be played. That is the demographic that, you know, aside from its mass appeal, that's a demographic yeah. I personally believe he made it for. Um, but I don't know. Harvey, who do you think the album... <laughs> I think... Where is this album best listened to? to? Yeah. Right. <sighs> I mean, I have to say summer, you know, I, as a, as a suburban father of two, you know, I'm not going to be hanging out <laughs> very many hookah lounges or for that matter, or, or at the club or at that matter, you know, at, at a many, many barbecues. But yeah, I mean, I just, it, it feels very, it feels very summery to me, you know, and so whatever, whatever you personally find yourself doing over the summer, I think, I think it will suffice whether you are indoors or out of doors. <laughs> very democratic. <laughs> well, he's a very democratic. He, he is everything to everyone. You know, he is the king of all media. <laughs> um, I mean, sort of riffing on that a bit, how do you feel about the way that he brings in, you know, different genres, uh, whether that's sort of like Afrobeat attempts or kind of, you know, his quote unquote dance hall inflected. <laughs> uh, right, right. The introduction of grime and all that other stuff. Yeah. You know, like you, you had to figure given the success of, of one dance, the controller, that that's sort of the direction he would go in, you know, and it's, it's an interesting idea that he's gone from sort of co-opting specific people, you know, whether that's party next door and, and, 21 Savage and such to now like colonizing entire like countries slash genres you know like it's it's, it's interesting you know and I, I I'm gonna imagine that you guys have a lot more experience with those genres than I do and so I what I'm most what I've been reading a lot about you know since I wrote my thing is is the dance hall inflected stuff and just the way that there's a lot of specific influence on, on this record that are sort of being 
misidentified by a lot of people or sort of right. being glommed together into one quote-unquote sort of global thing. And I just, I, you know, I, for lack of a better way of putting it, I am sort of using this as a way to sort of bone up on these things to try and separate them out a little bit. You know, like somebody said this morning, and I agree, like the, the thing that happens at the end of Blem, so just, just mm-hmm. the last, the last, it's like 15, 20 seconds of glam, like it goes into, into some kind of Afro, Afrobeat thing, Afropop thing that's, that's really, really cool to me. And so I, I'm definitely interested in reading people who are sort of breaking down and getting a little more granular as to like what genre is present on which track and, and how that all goes together. Like separate, separating that out in my mind, I think it's gonna, gonna make me appreciate this even more. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think allow for kind of an, a nuance in the conversation about, you know, power right. and, and what does it mean that, you know, Drake is also part of the African diaspora. Um, and so what yeah. what do people, you know, what what can travel across borders and how do you credit and sort of those kinds of things feel sort of more nuanced and a lot of uh, media has had either the bandwidth or the desire to tap into, certainly. Yeah, I mean, does it feel craven to you, like that stuff? Does he, do you feel like he's honoring these genres or is he kind of sort of co-opting them a little bit and, you know, all this playing, you know, and, and the patois that's on this record, like, is, is, is that getting a little play acting or, or do you think he's sort of immersed in it to the level, you know, where he could get away with it? Um, oh, God. Uh I think it's both, (laughs) which is a a bit of a cop out, right? No, I mean, I think that I I mentioned this earlier, but I think that uh, I think that this playlist is better about crediting and better about presumably money uh, than than views was um, like taking Popcon off controller was just, you know, merciless and shame, yeah. shameless. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that people were rightfully upset. I think, whereas here, you know, sort of Skepta gets his own interlude. He gets to shine. Um, and that's not a perfect, that's not a perfect comparison, but it, it does feel like Drake is grappling with ownership and, and with critiques of him being like a swag jacker, yeah. like more seriously now. Um, and so I'm inclined to view it a little bit more favorably than I might have seen what happened on View, which to me did feel pretty, like definitely towing the line as a you know as a concerns co-opting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he reads his own press. You know, he I, I think he's got a pretty good sense of what the major criticism is. You know, and whether or not he agrees with it. You know, and whether or not he's actually going to do something about it. Again, you know, he knows enough to pretend like he's going to do something about it. You know, and you have to sort of decide for yourself how the theory is being about that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I I think it was uh, I was uh, talking to Han about this yesterday. I was just saying that like culture doesn't cr- cross across pass across borders without freely without a tax I guess um, right. and like you know it's just difficult to to position somebody as you know like a hero of culture or saying that they're it, like the, the dividing whether or not it's you know vulturism or whether it's you know like whether it's homage or larceny gets difficult right. when money is involved I guess right Sure. Right, exactly. And it, I think the thing that, that it's tough, and my instinct 
um, is to not lose the fact that sort of black music in particular is always in dialogue, you know, across borders, right? So yeah. you, you have you have artists on the continent pulling from Drake, <laughs> you know, you have <laughs> right. you have things like that happening. So how do we, how do we not lose that kind of flow and, and that ebb, um, and also you know find ways for folks like Drake who are clearly benefiting very commercially from um, inspiration from artists right. who are not so commercially uh, successful, you know, how do, how do we hold those folks accountable? Um, and I think that that's going to be like an ongoing conversation again. Yeah. But I think it was you actually on Twitter, you mentioned a BuzzFeed article about Drake. Where did Drake's Jamaican accent come from? Yeah, yeah that's by Sajay Elder, who's Jay Fiasco yeah. on Twitter. Um, I, yeah, I edited that when I was back at BuzzFeed, and I, I really enjoyed working with her on that. She is um, a Jamaican and Trinidadian woman who lives, who grew up in Toronto. So this is kind of yeah. her world uh, in so many different ways. And that yeah, that's a lot of what she kept coming back to is like it's great to note that Toronto is heavily influenced by West Indian cultures, um, but who yeah. who's getting checks here? Um, <laughs> you know, and frequently it's Drake and it's not PopCon in, in a way that's even comparable to Drake. Um, so oh, cool. how do you sort yeah. of start to shift that imbalance um, and, and where do you make the, where do you draw those lines basically is, is sort of what she was grappling with and what, what I think it's important to continue grappling with. Yeah, I thought that was a great piece. And yeah, that's that's sort of what I'm trying to figure out. It's just like, you know, when when, yeah. when Drake first came out and it was like Drake from Toronto, you thought of him as being from Toronto the way Snow was from Toronto, you know? Like, <laughs> right. You know, like this, this sort of lily white, you know, Canadian city where no rapper had ever been born before. But, you know, the, the reality is a little more complex. And, you know, it's, I, it's good that that's sort of part of this conversation now, too. Yeah, definitely. And that that sort of speaks to kind of a larger American or a larger U.S. kind of ignorance of what happens anywhere outside our borders. <laughs> you know, there's this like, oh, Canada, they have moved, yeah. you know, like, sure. Exactly. Um, and I think that yeah. once you once you sort of remove yourself from that being your only lens and start to discover that, oh, there are like a lot of black people in Canada yeah. or in, certainly in parts of Canada, um, it becomes yeah. easier to kind of understand uh, the dynamics of play. And yeah, again, Sajay is super just like smart and on it. And it was really cool learning uh, through her and with her on that. Cool. Well, thank you, Rob, for coming through and, you know, you know, like having this illuminating conversation. Oh, Thanks for blessing us with your thoughts. <laughs> for blessing us with your thoughts. <laughs> and uh, likewise. Again, uh, Rob also has a piece up on the Ringer about more life. So go and check that out. Thanks a lot, guys. Again, this has been a special edition of the Channel Thirty Three podcast about more life. Drake's new playlist. I am Micah Peters, a staff writer at the Ringer. And I am Hannah Georges, Special Projects Editor, also at The Ringer. All right.